This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. To the highway, in a brand new day, gotta let it go. Welcome back to Open the Voice Gate for March 22nd, 2022. We are members of the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. You can find our podcast on the Voices of Wrestling Network feed or our own dedicated podcast feed on all podcast platforms and applications. You can follow us on Twitter at Open Voice Gate. If you'd like to donate to the show, click the link in the show notes. It'll take you to our redcircle.com landing site. You click the red box that says sponsor this podcast. And you can set up a one-time or reoccurring donation. No obligation whatsoever, but we would like to thank all of our previous donors. I'm one of your hosts. It's your old pal, Mike Spears, joined alongside my co-host, Case Lowe. And Case, how are you feeling this week? I've got my voice back for the most part. I think it's about 98% of the way there. I, again, I really apologize for last week for anybody that suffered through that. It really wrecked my vocal cords. If you thought I was bad on Tuesday night when we recorded this, you should have heard me on Wednesday and Thursday. It was a very poor decision on a number of levels to wax poetically about Kness versus Yoshino, but I had in my mind, because we had already scheduled to do that episode once and we ran out of time, I was like, if I cancel again, I don't want Mike to do a solo show on this because I have a lot to say about this feud, and if I cancel, this is going to become a cursed show, and we only have a finite amount of time to do vintage Kness content, and I, I I, had to rip the bandit off. We had to do the show. I have regrets about it because, like I said at the beginning of last week's episode, for old-school Gate fans, that was supposed to be a really enjoyable episode looking back on some fun old stuff, and for new-school fans, that's a really important historical piece of Gate content, and you have to deal with my horrible 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 voice but i'd like to think i'm back for the most part and i'm happy to be here mike you know i haven't heard a single thing saying k sounded bad so no i you know? as i told you we mike and i recorded a podcast uh this past weekend that will be out next uh wednesday big open the voice gate more details to follow uh but as i told you then I think most people just clicked out as soon as they heard me talk. They're like, I'll catch Mike and Case next week. Let's see what the boys are up to uh, next week because I can't do this. But that's that's my thought. I think that everyone was like, you know, Case did a great job. We don't need to be like, hey, Case, you you, you sound like you're sick. Like, like we like they <laughs> our <laughs> listeners are smart. They're not going to they are not going to just rain on our parade that way. You know, that's fair. And yeah. Yeah, yeah. By sat by Saturday, you know, everything sounded at least good on my end. Uh, should we talk more about that later on in the show? What we're going to be have coming up next week, or should we? No, talk about no, it screw now? it. Because we've got we've got a bunch of different topics, but I don't think either of us have extended thoughts on any of those topics. So 
we sat down with Dragon Gate J uh, this past week. That episode will be up next week. A two and a half hour discussion with Jay. Yeah, it, the first half of it is exclusively about Kness. Uh, for those who don't know, Kness is uh, Jay's favorite wrestler. Like I like like the Band Aids off here, and I would argue that there's no one amongst uh, a non-native fans who knows as much about Kness as he does. And we went pretty much through his entire career for the first hour, for the most part. And then from there, we just kind of had a freewheeling discussion, talking about Forbidden Doors, talking about the idea of what is a Mania Six Man to 2022 Dragon Gate, and everything in between. It, I, I will say this, uh, not speaking for Chaos, but speaking as myself. I think that this episode that's going to be hitting everyone's feet on Tuesday might be our best episode of the voice gate. So I'm really proud of it. I've been working, making sure everything's on tip top. It's in the can and it'll be out next Tuesday as there's no more shows this month other than whenever they put up the uh, die homecoming show. So we're, we're getting close to the final burst out uh, finale. We're getting close to April 7th and we were very lucky to have Jay wanting to come on board and talking with us for two and a half hours. I feel like that's one of our longest modern era shows case. I, I want to say maybe the Speedstar final Kobe World from last year was a little bit longer, but not certain about that. But it, I it's know a fun the, the, the final Drangit USA show we did, the retrospective on Drangit USA, that one went two and a half hours as well. Okay, so it's in rarefied air. Yes, Basically. very much so. Um, the uh, the Kobe World and Speedstar final review last year was a two-hour show, so we went a little longer with Jay. Yeah, so it's a whole lot of fun, and you know, we made sure you know for the first solid hour of it to talk about Kness, and we talk about the Oshino feud as well there as long as well as you know a lot about Kness before Dragon Gate. There's a lot of stuff about him that people might not know, and. I know Jay kept some in the chamber, so, I mean, it's going to be really fun to watch on April 7th to see what other just uh, Kness facts we get thrown at us. Yeah, there's a lot of really good stuff here. Like Mike mentioned, the first hour is Kness talk. Jay gets into, you know, what he would do if Dragon Gate was to come to America again, what match he would put forth. There's a really interesting discussion getting someone's perspective that lives in Japan that is in the wrestling industry. There's a really interesting discussion on COVID attendance, what matters and what doesn't. And, uh, you know, I, I we've done a few podcasts with Jay. I listen whenever he does audio dating back to his iHeartDG podcast. And then whenever he pops up on, on Alan's show, I'm sure to listen. I don't, I don't know if he does any other audio, but this was an interesting discussion because Jay uh, felt really plugged into the wrestling world this time. And what I typically love about him is you'll throw names at him about anything that isn't Drangate. And he's like, I don't know who that is. I haven't been paying attention. I don't watch anything else. He was on his game. He had names. He was listing promotions. It's a really, really good podcast uh, outside of the historical stuff, outside of the Drangate stuff. Just as you have a vested interest in Japanese wrestling at this time, he is, you know, one of the utmost authorities in that topic. So it's, it's a very good podcast. I'm very excited for people to hear it. Yeah, and we will be plugging this a lot across socials over the next week. So keep your eyes peeled for next Tuesday in your podcast feed. It's it, it's a scorcher. But this week, case as you mentioned, I have another topic. I have whole oh, slow down, Mike. I have something I've been wanting to ask you for a long time. 
Okay, let's go. You're a man of the South. I take it you enjoy a nice Coca-Cola beverage from time to time? Here's the thing. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. All right, go ahead. I, uh, my parents, I, uh, I, when I part the curtain a little bit, I let people, people know my parents are from the Midwest, and my parents were from Pepsi towns. Mm. So I grew up drinking Pepsi, then Dr. Pepper, because Dr. Pepper is a Texas thing. Coke is something I only, if I'm having a soda, which is very rare nowadays, if I have a preference, it's going to be Pepsi, then Dr. Pepper, then Coke. But what, what do you have to say about this uh, demon Atlanta drink? Well, I have to, first of all, compliment you. I also grew up in a Pepsi family. We're few and far between, but it's really nice when you can, you know, reach across the aisle and talk to another Pepsi drinker like yourself. I was wondering, because this is not only the premier Drangate podcast, this is a hashtag soda talk podcast as well. Have you dipped your toes into the Coca-Cola Starlight yet? No, I've seen it and I'm intrigued by it. I'm wondering what exactly is the flavor of Starlight case. Have you had one? What is Starlight? Please tell I'm me. Si- I'm sipping on one right now, Mike Spears, and I'll, I'll say this. Two weeks from now, why don't you get back to me? All right, we've got some time. We've got next week's episodes done. Why don't you, why don't you take a few weeks? Why don't you get back to me on this Coca-Cola Starlight, okay? Why is that? Do you have like a whole palette you're going to go through? So you're going to force and vibe yourself with uh, Coca-Cola Starlight over the next few weeks? I have I have takes on it. I know what it tastes like. I'm drinking one right now, but I'm not going to have a one sided discussion here. I, if it takes two to tangle and I need you right. to also dip your toes out of this water. All right. I am writing this down. I am getting a Coca-Cola Starlight for the uh, recording two weeks from now. Yeah, and I don't it, put, put, put it on your report. whiteboard. Put it on your whiteboard next to a Kirito's Owl retrospective podcast next to watch all 12 hours of AEW Dark and Dark Elevation. Coca-Cola Starlight should be on that list. Hey, uh, the, for the record this week, it's only two hours of Dark and Elevation. But, you know, the other thing you named was was very accurate. So that's fair. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right. What else do we have? So for this week, we'll be talking about the uh, Kobe Sambo Hall show from the 19th on the network. We'll be dipping into the YouTube digests as they've had some interesting stuff go up from the weekend's shows. And we would not be the permanent Dragon System podcast if we did not talk about Kazuchika Okada versus Shima from the New Japan Cup quarterfinals this weekend. So not a full buffet, you know, but maybe there's like a dessert table that we're pulling from this week. Yeah, this is going to be an eclectic episode. And let's start off in the home base before things get too weird. Before we get too crazy, let's go to the home base. Let's go to Kobe Sambo Hall. All right. So this show was on the 19th. We'll be up on the network until the 26th. And just off the top of my head, I my my initial big impression was it was a very pleasant show to watch <laughs> like I, I don't have anything notebook bound i don't have anything that really offended me it just was a solid show with a lot of stuff keeping uh things in the fire and we got to answer one big question this week and that was how does gold class act as a full unit so you know i thought it was all right case what were your overall thoughts very similar thoughts. These Kobe Sambo Hall shows, I guess there's been two this year than the one at the Kobe Art Center. They've all fallen into the same pattern of being very quick, very enjoyable watches. There was one match on this show that I thought went a little bit too long, didn't keep my interest for the entire time that it lasted. But the other matches on this show, 
even if they weren't great, they served a purpose. And there were two or three matches here that I, I really, really enjoyed. And, you know, we're, we're getting to that point where I think there's there's two things that can sometimes work against this podcast, one of which is that we agree on a lot of the same things, which is why I like doing that AEW podcast with you a few weeks ago, because we found a lot of disagreements there. We agree on a lot of the same things when it comes to Drangate, and there's also, after the doldrums of 2017 and 2018, the uncertainty of 2019, and the oddities of 2020 and 2021, what we've seen from the first three months of this year is, uh, to me, a very comforting level of stability. Not a lot of stuff is bombed. There hasn't been a ton of home runs. I mean, I thought the Triangle Gate match and the Brave Gate match on the first night of Champion Gate, those were home runs. Those were memorable matches. Those were go out of your way to watch this if you like wrestling stuff. There's been a lot of four, four and a quarter star matches. There's been a lot of three and a quarter, three and a half star matches. There hasn't been a lot lower. There hasn't been a lot higher. And this is one of those shows. There's one match on here that I gave three and three quarter stars to. I've got a few in that mid three star range. It was an exciting show. Stuff happened. They progressed angles. And I'm very much okay with that from a Kobe Sambo Hall show. This is so much more palatable than a 2017 or 2018 show where you would get a miserable undercard and then maybe a great main event. I'll take this every time out. Yeah, it, it's something that now the roster at the size it is and with how they do these Kobe Sambo shows, it's it, it's something where they are able to get nearly everyone on the shows now who are able to go if some of them are in the sambo that's fine they go seven matches but i mean you cut out the intermission you fast forward through the open mic because they basically just announce the card and say the same thing each time you're looking at a two-hour watch really and that's not me being liberal on the fast forward 15 seconds things after each match on my ipad it's just very pleasant everyone's getting you get to see a little bit of everyone as you said like they moved along. I'm looking at my notebook right now and what I have here. I mean, you really just have one, two, three, four storylines being advanced in two hours in the matches. And yeah, nothing hit my notebook. But, you know, of the matches I gave ratings to, I don't rate Battle Royals. Nothing was below three stars. So, I mean, solid show. Absolutely. Yeah, big fan of it. And it starts with the opener. I thought the show got off on a, on a great note. Yeah, the opener was Susumi Yokosuka, UT, and Jackie Funky Kamei of Natural Vibes versus Zebrats, Kai Hyo, and BB Hulk. Uh, the finish was the Neko Damashi on Junkie on Jackie Funky Kamei. Uh, this is the match that is on YouTube. You're able to watch the first match of everything streaming on from the Dragon Gate Network live on YouTube. Doesn't get pulled down anywhere. And my big highlight from this was just a level of comfort here. Like this, this match kind of encapsulated the entire show for me. Case uh, did did it kind of encapsulate things for you? Very much so. And Mike, we're entering, you know, a point in this man's career when we talk about the Open the Dreamgate champion Kai. He stumbled into this promotion in 2018. We're approaching his four year anniversary here. And if I were to ask you, not a rhetorical question, I want an answer here. If I was to ask you, the current Dreamgate champion, who does he have the best chemistry with on the roster? Who would you say? I think it's either Susumi Yokosuka or I really like the chemistry he had with uh, 
with Shimizu. He does better with the heavyweights on the roster or the larger size guys. I think the answer that I was looking for was that of UT. Because I think you're right. I think he does incredibly well against Shimizu. He can obviously throw bombs against Asumu. But for three and a half years now, I have watched Kai and UT team with one another, and I've watched them wrestle one another. And every time they're in the ring together, I think this is what Kai's meant to do. He is meant to bully this little twerp around, and then UT either gets one over on him with a roll-up or he almost gets one over on him with a roll-up in every single time. I just think these guys kill it together. Yeah, that's entirely fair. I, I didn't think about that in terms of like, because how much, I, I should know that because I'm the one person who always talks about their twin gate match where they're teaming together. I was like, this is a great match that was between yeah, them. Yeah, uh, the, the Big Ben, uh, Kai and UT match. Yeah, no, no, that's totally fine. So, uh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that match was like really sick. And it's something where Kai now has fit in so well that like you look at this and you look at like UT, you look at Susumu, and you even look at Kamei. Like him and Kamei have only had like limited interactions. It's only really had Kamei getting beat down there. But he feels like the champion. And it's something that I feel like that they really kind of lucked into this working out this well because as we saw with Kai's adjustment period this could have gone pretty poorly yeah to me that combination Kai and UT is probably the closest thing Dragon Gate has right now to that forgotten due to history but remembered by the hardcore fans Shingo Takagi versus Sachi Hoko Boy feud from 2015 to 2016 where obviously Sachi never challenged for the Dreamgate belt. Uh, I, I know myself included. There were not a number of people in 2016. If you're if you're new to Drangate, this might sound insane to you, but there is a vocal movement of fans in our bubble that wanted Sachi Hoko Boy to challenge Shingo for the Dreamgate title in Cork and Hall, and it would have ruled if it would have happened. UT's in a very similar boat where I don't see any title matches coming of this, but. Assuming we get some big multi-man matches this year with Natural Vibes and Zebrats, and especially if you throw in another unit into the fold, watch out for UT and Kai. That's a pairing that always works well together. And this opener was just another one where, you know, everybody's work here was solid. I, I like the work that all six guys did. But on the rare instances where Kai and UT tangled, I thought that was the strongest interactions of the match. Yeah, this was just a really fun opener. I was I was three and a quarter on it. I thought that it was all really solid stuff, and it's something that it's nice seeing. Like uh, Zebrats just feels really lived in at this point, only two months into their true existence, and it's something that maybe it is that you added Shun and you kicked out Ata and Ishida, so there really was not a lot of changes within the unit proper. But this feels so much better off. Two months in, then Red or Antios did. Like everything feels great with Zebrats, right? Do you think the tone of Zebrats is drastically different from the tone of Red? If you if you sat somebody down, you showed them an Red versus Masquerade multi man match, and then you showed them a Zebrats versus Natural Vibes multi man match, and you just gave them that that footage. You didn't tell them when these matches took place. Do you think they'd be? Uh, do you think they would know that they're very close in proximity to one another? Or do you think the units come across so differently to a point where you might think R.E.D. was five or six years ago? I, I think just by matches, they wouldn't be able to tell just because of 
the working standard and i mean the fact that i mean hio's been facing people on this roster now for six years kame has been facing all these guys since he debuted so like there's a level of familiarity that that you know it might blend together i i think what you really would do to like show the stark differences would have to be like a match and then a post-match uh just angle or interview there because i feel like that's the real change is the fact that I feel like that the, the differentiation between R.E.D. and Zebrats comes through when it's like SBK and Hio on the microphone just being jerks versus Aita just cutting promos. You know, I feel like that's the uh, levels of differentiation. I, I think they do enough to differentiate themselves in the ring. I think there's a different tone of these Zebrats matches, and a lot of that is mainly based off of Skywalker, which you could say, okay, well, he's the one guy that wasn't in R.E.D. Of course, that's the case, but... Skywalker just has an aura to him right now, and he's he's one of my favorite wrestlers in the world. He's always been one of my guys. If I had to point to my two guys in Drangate right now, it would be Skywalker and it would be Espy Kento just on a personal level. But when Skywalker's in these matches especially, but I think it carries throughout the unit, there's a level of viciousness and, dare I say, urgency that I don't think R.E.D. ever had. R.E.D. had slacker energy to it. And I don't think Zebrats has that. Kai maybe carries a little bit of it, but the rest of the unit doesn't have that. And I really like that. Two months in, to me, Zebrats has nailed their presentation. Yeah, no, I mean, my well, my only thing is, wow, this is a really strong unit. They should probably get someone that they're more willing to have draw falls than Hio. You're, you're doing all right, you know? Like, this is a unit that feels very comfortable lived in it feels if you told someone that this unit's only been around since february they would think that you're crazy or they think that this is like the greatest thing since sliced bread because they work so well together isn't that crazy that they've got six guys in this unit and your fall guys at this point are hyo and depending on who it is hulk i mean that's that's really impressive depth in a heel unit where you know your logic of they should add a new guy is absolutely correct and I would like to see what a seventh member of Zebrats would look like. I don't think you're, uh, I don't think Hio was hurt all that much by taking a lot of falls. So I, it, to me, it's not an urgent thing. But yeah, that's 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 a very good point that Hio's taken a lot of these falls, and he's he was in a Twin Gate match the day we're recording this. Yeah, I mean he's Teflon. I mean, like the more the big idea about having the fall post though is then you could probably get more than two Zebrats matches on the show and they don't have to win each and every one of them because you only have one fall guy. Yeah, like that's, that's, that's more my, my rationale more so than anything else. Yeah, very true. After that, we got into the Royal Sanbo running through who are all in it this month. SB Kento, Rio Fuda, Ishanahashi, Hoho Loon, Strong Machine J, Punch Tomonaga, Problem Dragon, Satyoko Boy, Yazushi Kanda, and Super Shisa. The finish was SB Kento getting Strong Machine J with the SB Shooter. All right, this was... I did not enjoy this case. I thought this went on way too long and not enough going on here. Did, did you like this at all? Am I, am I on the island here? I didn't hate it. I, I thought there was enough enjoyable stuff sprinkled throughout that it made up for it. There were certainly some lulls, but... There were two things I really liked, one of which was Fuda and Ishinihashi entered together, and I thought they crushed it. They had 60 seconds to go out there and throw bombs at one another, and that's what they did. That's what Ishinihashi excels at, and that's what Fuda excels at. 
And they did just that. They played, you know, the hits that they have, they played those to perfection. Because would you be in agreement with me that just by sake of not being on these shows as often and because they haven't gotten a win yet, the the Ahashi Brothers stock has dropped just a little bit? Yeah, it's more that they feel stagnant than their stock dropping, in my opinion. It, it, it's something that I think I said like three weeks ago to you. It's like, I'm ready for the next step of the Hashi brothers. Uh, everyone else in the future is starting to break out the Hashi brothers. They're kind of tied together for the time being ready to see either that's the win or they go find someone to help train them for the win. But yeah, this was the best part of the, of the Sambo to me, Fuda and Ishin. Did you notice that Fuda came out to dragon storm and not the future theme? I did not, but I'll take your word for it. Yeah, that was interesting. It was something that for a second I thought it was like an audio miscue, but then they, they faded right into the Ahashi Brothers themes, then faded right back into Dragon Storm. So who knows? Who knows about that? But yeah. I would, uh, I would like I, all I, those kids to get entrance themes, and I would also really like them to get bios on the Gaiora website. I've been waiting for that for <laughs> five months now. Not that it's going to give us any new information, but I would just really like those kids to have bios, and they don't, and it drives me insane. I mean, they'll make sure that Gold Class has immediate photos up, though. Of course. I mean, I look, if I, I would get a new press photo of uh, Minorita as soon as I could also. I mean, that's fair. That's fair. But yeah, I liked, uh, I liked uh, SMJ and SPK at the end there as well. That was a yeah. very strong conclusion of this. Strong Machine J needs as many good outings as he can possibly get. And he and SP Kento worked well together in the finish. Yeah, I thought SMJ looked pretty good here. You know, it's... It, he was throwing people around a lot. Devil windmill suplex, like he got like half of the falls based off of his suplex, and he looked decent doing it. It's just you look at the rest of these people in, in these matches, you know what's going to happen there, and there's no reason for it to go eleven minutes. So that that that's my dissatisfaction with it. Well, I would say the next match had no reason to go ten minutes. Yeah, well, the next match was an unaffiliated trios match. Masaki Mochizuki, Don Fuji, and Takashi Yoshida versus Eita, Yosuke Samurai, and Konamawa Ichikawa. Would it surprise you that Don Fuji beat Konamawa Ichikawa listeners? No, it shouldn't surprise you. Would it surprise you that it took 10 minutes and 44 seconds? Yes. Yes, it should. Yeah, this was just, it was long. I don't. I don't need Ichikawa in matches like this for this amount of time. I love him to death, but this was not not his night. I didn't I didn't care for this at all. This was the one thing on the show that dragged to me the one thing that you know, like the battle royal you can skip because it's not essential. This one I would recommend skipping. I, I did really enjoy the fact that Ata is the most sort of over person. Everyone didn't need Marie to start clapping for him. And then Ata only tagged in for the final stretch. <laughs> like I do. Uh, I, I said this during the February Kobe show was, you know, this guy spent four years busting his ass, going through barbed wire in cage matches, going through tables, working these frantic main event style matches. I love that this year, like you pointed out, He's the most over guy on the roster. As I've said, the babyface turn is money. I've been waiting on it for years just because I know it's going to be a success. And this summer could very easily be the summer of Ata. He's the most over guy, and he's not doing anything. He's taking no bumps. He's sitting back in the cut, letting Maria do her thing. And then he's involved in the finish in some way. It's great. More power to him. But yeah, at 
if you've seen a soccer Chikawa match against these three people, that's what you get. Not as much uh, Maria Exotico stuff. It was mainly stalker in this. And I think soccer is one of the... Uh, I think soccer is the best comedy wrestler of all time. But, you know, th 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 this wasn't him being at the cutting edge of comedy like how he usually is. I mean, this was like 30 seconds of Concho comments, a jokes happening, and Ata doing like a big airplane spin into the Concho. Like, this is what that match was. Pretty. Very true. Match four, however, was the shortest match on the card, or the second shortest to the first match. The first match was 10 seconds shorter, but boy, they pack it in. Shun and Diamante of Zebrats versus La Estrella and Takuma Fujiwara. Uh, Shun got the pen on Fujiwara after a double Wella finale that they're calling the Cielo finale or the Sky final. Did you know Cielo means Sky case? No, I did not. I thought that was kind of cute when they renamed it that. <laughs> oh boy, Mike, this match. This was good stuff. Where are you at with this? I went three and a half only because of how short it was, and it just, you know, I wanted more of it. Like, this is three and a half that I'm going, this awesome, this is awesome, this rocks. It's not my favorite match on the show, but for that match, like, we got to see Estrella against people that he works well with. We got to see Fujiwara look solid here. Diamante and Shun, that's, that team's trouble. That, that team's a problem. And, you know, we got Fujiwara doing a nice fire up before he ate a hellish-looking uh, powerbomb. So, I mean, it's a win across the board. Where were you at? Three and three quarters for me. It's another win for Fujiwara in terms of being the most entertaining guy on the show because you're you're exactly right. This match had a lot working for it in the sense that Estrella was able to work with the guy that he works best against, which is Diamante, and a slightly altered version of Diamante and Shun Skywalker, somebody who can bring that same intensity, that same base skill to Estrella, and obviously knows him through teaming with Masquerade. That combination was great. Skywalker and Estrella crushed it. But then you had Diamante and Fujiwara, and I'm so disappointed that on the March 21st house show, they wrestled in a singles match and it didn't get uploaded to YouTube, and that sucks because I really would have liked to have seen that because... You know, I, I've complained before when it comes to Lucha stuff. We were just making fun of Negro Navarro before we started recording this podcast. And, you know, with all due respect to our to our luchadors and especially our lucha, uh, our lucha grapplers, I just feel like a lot of the time they are working in slow motion. And I think it's some of the most cooperative, phony looking wrestling there is. And there's something great about seeing Diamante and Fujiwara take this lucha base that they both have. And for some reason, they just work these matches. Their chemistry brings out the most intense, violent head scissors and arm drags and drop kicks in all of wrestling. They are working at 110%, a million miles an hour. Every time they're in the ring together, and it always looks good. Some of the best chemistry in all the company right now, I, this is not the week to go on another Fujiwara diatribe because I'm sure he'll have a four-star match at Corkin in two weeks and we'll take care of that once again. But he and Diamante have really special chemistry with one another and that is a pairing to watch. We're, we're in another year where Diamante is probably going to be carrying these smaller shows based off of the chemistry he has with one single wrestler on the roster. 
it's insane. <laughs> Diamante at this point, it's just a matter of time right now. I'm I'm afraid for people, you know, we, we talk about it all the time. Just for the sake of the the business aspect of this podcast and just because I love Drangate as much as I do, I want as many eyeballs on this company as humanly possible. But I do lose sleep over power players and wrestling watching this company and seeing Diamante because he's so good. And if I was booking a company, if I had 12 wrestlers to choose from to book on my show, he's one of the 12 I pick. He's one of the 10 I pick. He might be one of the top five that I pick just because there's so much that you could do with him. And after being his most vocal critics when he first came into Drangate, we're now his two biggest fans. I love him. I, I look forward to him on every single show. Yeah, because you, you look at Diamante, and even in matches where like he's paired up against veterans like Ultimo, he Ultimo has a level of comfort with him that he he's willing to go for it a little bit more so than keep it in second gear. Like they just announced as of the time recording the uh, Triple Mania uh, Loser Advances Mask uh, Tournament first round matches, and his and Ultimo's one is Penta. I don't think Penta gets a good match out of Ultimo. I know. I know that Diamante has excellent matches with Ultimo. And I think that that's a feather in, in Diamante's cap. Also, you know, the power of networking. You know, Penta versus Ultimo is going to look like like a WWE 2K video game match where they just do taunts and motion to the crowd until they go into the finishing stretch. They're going to fill their hype meter so much to where they can only do finishers at that point because those are two masters of doing nothing and being extremely over. I am excited about that match. That is the closest thing AAA can do. That is the AAA version of CM Punk versus MJF the first match. I I mean it's just work in the crowd, brother. I, mean. I love it. I look, I, I've seen Ultimo work some crowds in my day. I'm a big fan of it. <laughs> Actually, I've seen I was gonna say I've seen Pentagon do it too, but I'll never forget before All Out 2019, Pentagon and Phoenix wrestled uh I think they wrestled LAX on an AAW show the night before, and I was there with Rich Kreacher, the voice of wrestling flagship, and we were joking like, ah, you know. Uh, the Lucha Brothers, you know, it's they've got a, a giant ladder match against the Young Bucks in 24 hours. You know, what are they going to do? Pentagon's going to do his taunt, and they're going to go to the back. And then instead, they went out there and murdered each other. And they had the, the highest work rate match on the entire show. And it really, it makes you sit back and go, you know what? These guys are the best. Like, they worked every promotion under the sun for a five-year stretch before AEW started. And... Although Phoenix often had the better matches than Pentagon, they still worked their asses off on almost every show. And they, they are they are broken-brained individuals that I love. Working is working. All I got to yes, say sir, about brother. the Triple Mania match is, boy, I sure hope that they don't think that Ultima is going up for the fear factor. You know? No, I don't think no, Ultima is losing by roll-up. Or by the armbar. He uh, he might sell the he's arm. not he's not selling an arm bar. That's true. That's no, true. He's losing, uh, he's losing by inside cradle, Mike. Or he's winning and not being a part of the charade of a tournament to begin with. I hope I hope. Well, is it the deal with the loser advances? Yeah, it's loser advances. So that the oh, uh, oh Pentagon's taking the La Maestra because yeah. Ultimo's got to get back to Japan. I mean, Ultimo's not losing that hood, but brother, unless you're offering him five large. Have you seen the photos of Ultimo on his vacation? Oh, he's having the best time. He's I've never been that the best time. 
I've never been that happy before. Now, granted, I suffer from depression, and I don't think Ultimate Dragon does, but I'm straight up, like, I think about, like, the happiest night of my life. I've never been as happy as Ultimo on the beach in Acapulco. Like, he is smiling from ear to ear. He's just vibing all the time. You know, you reach a certain status, and you just want to vibe no matter what, and that's where Ultimo's at right now. And him, I and, him and Roy Lucier just making towns, <laughs> cashing checks. <laughs> Do you think Ultimo's the one that started dressing Roy? Oh my god, that's the... Oh my god, yes. That has to be it. I... Just all out of nowhere, Roy Lucier is looking sick as hell, no matter what. It's fantastic. I'm a fan of, of him going heavy into Versace. I think it's Look, great. Roy has, other than the tape properties that the WWE owns, Roy has the most valuable wrestling library in the world. And he's, you know, been in my life on and off just through watching his YouTube channels for almost a decade now. And for nine years, he dressed like a wrestling fan. And now all of a sudden he is dressing like an Italian supermodel. And it's the greatest turn I've ever seen where this dude, and he's at every merch table ever. He has a Mark picture with everybody that's ever existed. And for a while, it was just like New Japan Lion Mark t-shirt. And now it's head to toe Versace. Versace. It's the best. Uh, And it wasn't just uh, uh, Mark photos with wrestlers. (laughs) Moving on. No, I want to talk about OJ Simpson's Twitter. Do you follow OJ on Twitter? Uh, I'm aware of it because when people retweet in the feed and it's crazy, it rocks. Okay. I, I think it's corny to not like OJ. If you, if your moral stance in 2022 is anti OJ Simpson, get out. I don't want to hear it. OJ is a net positive. His Twitter, his, his takes are so correct. It's unbelievable. He'll start a video talking about the NFL quarterback situation. And by the end of the video, he's talking about the tragedy that was the Iraq invasion of 2003. And I'm with OJ lockstep every second of the video. No one is putting out the content that he's putting out. Man, I have to up my Twitter game. I can't just post photos of the dog anymore. Damn. No, it's it's like, you know, my dad and I have a very good relationship. We talk on the phone once a week. We don't really text unless it's about OJ's Twitter, because as soon as that dude posts a video, my dad is blowing up my phone with takes on OJ's takes. <laughs> I mean, usually it's Miami basketball right now for my dad. So I'll never forget. I was sitting on my couch one day after work. There's a very tired, just long day. No energy. My phone buzzes. I think, oh, who could this be? It's my father. And the text just reads, OJ right on the money about Afghanistan. And I was so <laughs> so taken aback by that of like, shit, I, I gotta know what he's what he's saying about Afghanistan. And then I watched the video. Sure as shit, OJ was right on the money about Afghanistan. <laughs> uh, maybe they need to make another part of OJ made in America. He's he's the man. If you don't like OJ, I think that's corny. He has he's he's served enough time in the public eye with a negative image. To me, I would love to join his fantasy football league. I would love to join his golf crew. I think OJ Simpson is a net positive in 2022. I mean, you're going to need to have a pretty good role to play golf with OJ. Okay. I would love to take up golf. I don't like the culture of it, but the game looks very relaxing. And if the stakes of it are, if you get good enough, you can play with OJ Simpson. I'll see you on the green every day, Mike. 
But the problem is, is that with OJ, there's going to be gambling. And we know how you feel about that. If OJ Simpson asked me to gamble, I will fucking gamble. Oh, wow. <laughs> the the, the two-year story. If, if, the, two if, story. if the DraftKings code is the Juice 32 I'm downloading DraftKings. You know, two years ago, you, you would call me a deviant for gambling. And the stuff I've gambled on. But now, I mean... The low is loose. Oh boy, the low is loose. I love that. I right, here we go. What what's next on this card? It was decourage. Decourage kicks ass. Let's talk about them next. Yeah, it was decourage versus natural vibes. Ginky Horiguchi and Big Boss Shimizu. Yoshioka got the win with the Inferno in nine minutes and twenty eight seconds. And I felt like we saw a different kind of aspect of decourage here that I was glad to see. Case, uh, what were your thoughts about this match? I forget sometimes that Yoshioka is as beefy and as strong as he is. And he started this match with Shimizu and their first two minutes or whatever. I was just absolutely hooked on. That's one of those. Like, I really hope they're in the same King of gate block. And we get like an eight minute Yoshioka versus Shimizu match in this building. That's one of those sneaky matches that will hit if it happens in King of gate. Yeah. It, it's something where like, of course the fields aren't announced yet, but it, we have to assume that Yoshioka's in King Gate this year, and he might be the sneaky person to be the MVP of the tournament, according to what makes tape, what makes digest, and what doesn't. I'm I'm so excited for King of Gate. I've said this on the show before, but you look at this roster, it's just it's endless with possibilities because you could put the future guys in there. You could put Fuji and Mochizuki and Horiguchi in there. You could have just your prime, just your guys you know, 20, because you have to start them that young, 20 to 35, and you can have a loaded, you know, 16 to 24-man lineup. This is as deep as any G1 of peak New Japan if you're a fan of this style. I understand it's not going to register with everybody the same way that a, that a peak G1, you know, 2014, 2015, 2016 would, but I don't know if you feel that way, but I'm just looking at the lineups this year going, there's no way they miss there, there's endless possibilities on this roster because everybody feels like they're turning it on right at the right time right now. I guess my only concern is with the lovely Elect Corporation, you know, sponsor of many Dragon Gate shows and sponsor of of King of Gate, if they don't try to put forth money to bring someone in from the outside who doesn't mesh. Like, that's the only thing there because you're right about the roster. It's just what, what happens because we know Leck and Amazon Prime was the reason why we had a lot of Kenzo Suzuki slapping the shit out of Ginky Horiguchi last year. Like, Yeah, but, but Kenzo didn't wrestle. The only match that has made official Gate canon that Leck had involvement with in terms of outsiders was the Kano and Hao Twin Gate match, which was right. awesome. If if Kano shows up in King of Gate, I'm buying a ticket and flying to Japan. That would be incredible. Yeah, I think like I am hopeful for that with Lex money. I just I just look at the rest of Japan. I look at where Lex corporations pay money, and I'm like, God, I don't want like someone from all Japan showing up here. No, I don't think you have to worry about that. I think it, the the only possibility oh, that's true. is that's true. I I forgot. Oh, yeah, the, the, well, that's yeah, that's yeah. not what I meant either. But um, the only possibility I think is that it's a Noah guy, and it's not. You know, I mean, obviously, Leck has financial stake in this, but it's not going to be somebody that ruins the feng shui of Dragon Gate. Like, I would trust whoever they send over that they're going to be able to work just because 
I don't I don't think Dragon Gate would accept somebody that didn't assimilate to their culture. So I I don't think there's going to be an outsider. That's not the vibe I get. But if there is, I'm very open to the possibilities of that. It if we get like a Kano and Howl over here, I totally am fine. I'm satiated. I just have my ear up a little bit. That that it, it's not that I'm like dooming it. It's just that I'm like, you know, with the money that that means people can come in, and I look at this because there is like the overall just chemistry, for lack of better terms, of the roster. That like you, it, it requires special sauce to be worked in there for the roster to figure someone out from the outside. What and if it was, was Harada? Would you like if it, if Harada was in King of Gate? Harada? Yeah, I could deal with Harada. Yeah, I think that'd be nice. Uh, There's a Harada Masato Tanaka match in Cork and Hall that's coming up that I'm really excited about, actually. Katoke could go kick bricks, but Harada, Harada can come up. Kotaro Suzuki, would you think he could fit in? Oh, the- Kotaro is the person that's going to matter the block. Yeah. I mean, look, as long as it's not Nozawa, which I don't think they're going to do, that's the <laughs> only that's the only realistic Noah name that I can think of that I wouldn't be down with. It, it It's just like, maybe it's just the Leck Corporation means it has Leck branding all over it. That, that's I just... what I think. I, I don't get the impression that there's going to be an outsider. I mean, hopefully Shuji Kondo ends up in it this year because he's supposed to be in it two years in a row. And... In 2020, the world shut down, and then in 2021, he tore his Achilles. So we're we're now on year three of waiting for a condo King of Gate run. But even he's, you know, he's not signed full time, but he's a roster member. That's to me the only outsider that I can think of that has a realistic shot of getting in. Maybe maybe I'm wrong, but I I don't get outsider vibes just from the Lex sponsorship alone. Yeah, it, you're right about that. It's just one of those things that until I see the lineups, I'm, I'm going to be going no whammies. That, that That's a me thing. That's not a Luck Corporation thing. I apologize to the Luck Corporation, the, the creators of great products, including the toilet sponge. I apologize. And the toilet wipes. How can I forget the toilet wipes case? The the deadly obsession that Ho-Ho Loon has with their toilet cleaning products. I mean, if Ho-Ho is all for it, then they got to be good. The the first step to getting better, Ho-Ho, is admitting you have a problem. And I've heard you on commentary before. You have an obsession with those. But also, <laughs> Leg Corporation, if you're listening, please feel free to sponsor this podcast. I would love to do reads for you guys. Oh, I absolutely could. I I, I mean, my DMs are open. And <laughs> it doesn't have to be Leg Corporation. It could be the mascot DMing me, you know? Just go ahead. The fine. mascot on Twitter rocks. That The... uh. Kobe World Memorial Hall opened up a Twitter account this week. Not a great Twitter account. Tweets too much. The sponge, the Let Corporation sponge, that dude rocks. Well, I mean, that's because most of the greatness of him is in the replies. <laughs> Let Corporation sponge is a reply guy, which is something as a society that we're going to have to come to grips with. I, I mean, mascots can, rep- can become reply guys. That's fine. But the rest of y'all, shape up. Shape. I might be, I might become a reply guy. I feel I it's in my body. I can just feel it. Oh god. Oh god. Should we talk about <laughs> the semifinal? Whatever you want to do, Mike. Yeah, all right. I'm trying to keep us on the rails <laughs> so so I can cut my 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 long thing about Okada and Shima. Oh. So, three-way match. KZ, Ben K, and Jason Lee. Jason Lee won with a schoolboy after he shoved Ben K into his second Shun Skywalker. The story continues, Case. The story continues. Shun wants Jason very badly, but Jason wants nothing to do with this asshole. 
It's a great story. The finish of this match, like I remember in January, we were raving about the the tail end of Shoot and Masquerade because I thought they were nailing those finishes so well where either Masquerade was losing because of Skywalker or they were winning in spite of Skywalker. And all of that stuff, I thought, just furthered the story so much. And this is not reinventing the wheel by any means, but to have, you know, Ben K get distracted by Shun, which gives Jason a chance to roll up Ben K. That's a great finish. I, I am so excited for the ownership of Jason Lee three-way that's happening a month from now. Ho-Ho says it should be on a pole. Jason on the pole. Are you okay with this? <laughs> I'm, I Look, if any company can make an on-a-pole match work, I do think it would be Dragon Gate. Uh, did you see the video that he did that about that? It was no, the, was uh, there a Ho-Ho video? It was the uh, Dragon Gate Network April English preview. It was Jay, Ho-Ho, <laughs> and Jason Lee. <laughs> and Ho-Ho said he should be on a pole? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because yeah, they were running down the cards, and he's like, he's like, April twenty fifth, uh, Jason. Uh, people are gonna be fighting for you, Jason's like, yeah, you know. Well, well, finally, I'll figure this out there. And then Ho Ho just very serenely says, "How about Jason Lee on a pole?" <laughs> and Jason very quickly says, "No." <laughs> oh, that rocks! That's gonna be a really good match. That is, I'm really excited for that three way. That's gonna hit. Yeah, that that's gonna be really exciting. Uh, my only other like big thoughts about this uh, semifinal, uh, it, I have a note here. It, it's going to come off like a me working Sif here case, but I think you will be able to, to to discern my real meaning from here. Very fitting how Ben disappeared for five minutes in the middle of this match. Oh boy! Uh, yeah, Ben's in a weird spot. Well, I, I'll give I'll give Ben some praise later on in this show, but sure. I'll just let that sit here for now. Yeah. Yeah, to just, you know, it, it, Jason Lee and Casey have great chemistry. Ben was good in his moments there. Uh, main event, high-end versus gold class. It was the full gold class contingent, Minonora, Doi, Ishida, Minorita versus high-ends, Yamato, Dragon K, Kakatora, and Keisuke Okuda. Minora penned Okuda in 10 minutes and 54 seconds. So this, this battle royal is longer than anything else on the card. Anything else on the card. Oh, look, SP Kento and Super Shisa are in the match. I'd give it time, too. Uh, you d- I give, like, the extra two minutes to the main event just so I don't, <laughs> like, feel like my uh, feel like my blood vessels tightened. I don't need that. But, yeah, Minora penned uh, Kakator with the R301. And we finally get to see uh, Minorita as a member of Gold Class in a match here, case, And not much different from what we saw from him before. No, I... I am very, very pro gold class. I think the use of Minorita, we get into a little bit with Jay next week, so I'll hold off on a big gold class thought because I think his perspective on it is interesting. But to me, and I've said this since his debut, you know, Hayakawa is incredibly talented. I think he can be a great wrestler in the right role. To me, this is him in the right role. I take him, and this this is going to be a, a messed up out of context sentence, I take him more seriously as half of a person the way that he's represented here than if he were just the smallest member of the roster. Cause I think he's really fun here. I love that he got into it with Yamato. He is, he's getting one up on the highest ranked guy that he's wrestling in these matches. And I think that's great. I, I think his addition to this unit has been a giant win. Ashita and Doyer doing their thing to me. Minoru is firing on all cylinders right now. 
and you know this was uh the first time we got to see the silver era of high end and i love that they once again got their lunch eaten up by gold class yeah i mean the fact that yamato had to go run around and chase someone's mascot for like three minutes in this match made it all worthwhile for me it just was very kind of fitting and then doy the entire time going minarita where's minarita minarita <laughs> well, well, especially when yamato came back like doy cares about his present he gave koda minora and that cracked me up but like the match here was was solid minarita works well with uh the other three like like they have the act down like it's very clear now that gold class has everything figured out here high end looked solid you know what i mean the, they've been put in position lately to make sure gold class gets put over really well and i mean uh Kakator came out guns a blazing it's <laughs> like going after them and it was it was all really a whole lot of fun yeah for me a three and a half star match very fun way to close the show gold class continues to win me over every time i see them yeah it's three and three quarters i thought this was the match of the show and even if that is a quarter start going to doi just screaming out for Minarita, and then the camera panning to show Minarita completely gassed on the side of the ring. I thought that that was just tremendous there. And it ended a very fun uh, Kobe Sambo Hall show. Again, it will be up on the network until the 23rd. It's two hours. It's a uh, pretty easy watch for anyone involved. So for the remainder of this week's show, we're going to be talking about three matches. Two of them are on YouTube, part of the Dragon Gate House Show Digests. We'll be talking about matches from the uh, 20th and 21st and then we'd be doing a big dis- disservice if we did not talk about shima versus kazuchika okada from the new japan cup so case which one do you want to take first let's stick with dragon gate let's knock out these digest matches i don't have a ton of thoughts on either of them but i do think they're worth talking about and then we can close out with shima okada sounds good so the uh, first match is from the 20th it is from nagoya it is bensuke uh Benke and Keisuke Okuda of High End versus hometown guy SB Kento and Diamante. And this was a lot of fun. Like getting to see hometown matches always just it, it's different. And it's a nice special thing that Dragon Gate does. Yes, the Dragon Dia Homecoming show, which it looks like that there are going to be director's cuts of that that are going to go up on the network. That is a show I'm going to want to talk a lot about because it ties into stuff we talked about with Jay and the atmosphere just from the pictures i've seen of that show a town that dragon has never run before i mean dragon die is from the middle of nowhere uh even from the pictures i've seen that was a really cool vibe so that's that's a show that i'm going to want to talk about whenever that stuff gets uploaded to the network because that appears to be where it's going to go i'm a big fan of the fact that we're getting homecoming show footage sp kento is a star in nagoya and this was a super, super fun match. My big takeaway from it is we we got to see a really fun Bensuke match. They're few and far between, but they seem to deliver every time they go for it. And you and I, every once in a while, kick around the idea of, you know, if they were to bring back Summer Adventure Tag League, what would it look like? And as we close out March here, three months into the new year, we've got new units. We've got guys shuffling around. I think it's really important that we look at the landscape of just the two-on-two tag team division, just guys that could realistically challenge for the Twin Gate belts between D-Courage and Shun and Diamante, which, when that match happens, 
which it, uh, I, I don't know. I don't know. It won't happen at uh, Dead or Alive, which a lot of people thought it would. But that D Courage versus Shun and Diamante will be the most heated Twin Gate match in years. You've got those two guys. You've got Ben and Akuda. You've got Ut and Kamei, and then some combination of you know Susumu and Genki or Susumu and Shimizu. You've got SB Kento and Hio, the Ahashi brothers, Aita and Maria, and I'll give you two at the end here of Hoho and Jason, who team a lot on house shows. And I, just for the sake of entertaining myself, am going to throw Minora and Minorita into the fire as well. That is an insane tag team division. Yeah, and it's something that it, I, I think it's, if you take a look at, since we've been doing the showcase, the twin and triangle gates both ebbed and flowed, but we are in a really high point right now for the Twin Gates, I feel like. Because of the teams you named, it would be very easy to be like, hey, uh, out of nowhere, Summer Adventure Tag League 2022. And a lot of those teams that you mentioned would be great fixtures of it. I mean, you could have DK and Yamato in there as well. I mean, like you could put together a really fun 10 to 12 team field out of this. And there won't be a whole lot of chaff in there. Like you might have like, uh fuda and someone as someone as a team that goes over but it's you, you can have a lot of fun with that here and that's really what this vibe of this match was are you really like took the words out of my mouth this felt like a match that you would see in block play for some adventure tag league and it was like the established team getting wound up by the heel team in a really satisfying manner yeah there's good vibes all around and all of this tag stuff right now. I mean, I complained for years because uh, the Dragon Gate style of tag match is realistically my favorite style of wrestling there is. I think when they hit, there's nothing else quite like it. But we had a two and a half year stretch, and I complained about this on the show numerous times, where the Twin Gate division was some combination of Hulk, Yamato, and Kai. And whether they were teaming or feuding was going to be in question, but those were the teams in the mix. And there was the brief reprieve of that really fun Shimizu and Eita team. But in between that was Kai, Hulk, and Yamato. What we have now is a bunch of totally fresh teams, I think reverting back to a more classic Twin Gate style, and it's connecting with me. I mean, I, I, I don't know if Summer Adventure Tag League is the answer. I especially don't know if it's the answer in August, because that has obviously created some problems in the past when a new Dreamgate champion is crowned at Kobe World. But there's enough talent here to where I am really excited at the future of specifically tag team wrestling in this promotion. Yeah, it's just something where we really kind of see these organic teams come about. You know, like UT and Kamei are really, they feel very organic with the way that like Young Vibes came together. But then you have teams that come together as part of storyline, like D-Courage, and you know, you wouldn't think that they haven't been teaming for like, you think they'd be teaming for like five years, not two months. And then you get like these fun thrown together teams. Like I don't, I can't think of think of many times that SPK and Diamante team together, but they were a whole lot of fun here. Uh, the finish in this one was SPK got out of the uh, sleeper hold from Okuda. There was a ref distraction, a low blow, and then a very deep SB shooter. Like he was not Daniel Garcia deep, but he was cranking back on it. And this was a really fun three and a half star homecoming match. Yeah, that was my other takeaway from this was. I was reminded that Akuda and SB Kento have chemistry that I really like because Akuda's not afraid to beat up SB Kento. And I think that adds a lot of depth to what SBK does. Every once in a while, he needs to take a beating. 
And I think a guy like Akuta supplies that. And as a result, I, I think they work really well together. I, I don't think their Brave Gate matches hit the highs that I would have hoped they hit last year, but I was entertained by that entire month-long feud that quite honestly carried the promotion through August into September until that Yamato versus Minora match that really kicked off the the fifth reign of Yamato. But post-Kobe World through Dangerous Gate, this was an Akuda versus SB Kento company. Yeah, and they really made that heavily so, man. All this stuff happening in Nagoya and, like, making matches, like, for the next day. They built a, a, they built an, ota- an entire Osaka O2 show around them. Right, yeah. So, I mean, it's nice to see them revisit it. Like, we always remember he- uh, Okuda and Ishida as, like, the best chemistry for Okuda. But, you know, sometimes it's a little bit far and far between between guys who are willing to go work Okuda style. He's not, he's not changing his style for anyone, but SB Kento is more than willing to, you know, get punched in the face a lot and almost go lights out. It's good for his character. Get punched in the face every once in a while. I, I mean, once in a while, you need you, you. You're able to tell if someone, if some guy's never been punched in the face in their life. You know, like there's some people you're gonna tell, like, oh, this person has never been punched in their face. You know? Yeah, it's it's my greatest flaw. I walk around like I've never been punched in the face before because I haven't, and it might do me some good. It might humble me a little bit. You, you see, you didn't scream out that way to me. Oh, that's that's the nicest thing I've ever heard. Thank you so much, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> nicest thing you ever heard. You, you walk around like someone's been punched in the face, punching their. That's life. great. I love hearing that. I that's hey. awesome. Quite frankly. Hey, you know, but there's just more people who need to get punched in the face, just in general. All right, uh, should we move on to the uh, digest from Saitama? Let's talk about this super fun match. Yeah, so there's another match on the Saitama show. I think it was the uh, Hoho and Jason team against Ginky and Kamei. I did not check this one out, but the big match here to watch is the main event from Saitama. This was Natural Vibes versus Zebrats, KZ, Susumi Yokosuka, Big Boss Shimizu, UT with Kness at ringside. Kness is seconding uh, Susumi Yokosuka until Kness's retirement match versus the Zebrats team of Kai, Hyo, SB Kanto, and Shun Skywalker, pretty much the, I mean, that's, that's the thing about Zebrats case. I was, I was about to call them the Zebrats top team, but you could pretty much make a combination of all six of them. As long as they have the champion in it, they're the top team. But UT won this with a Hikari no wa in 14 minutes and 28 seconds. And uh, but before we get into this match, like something to talk about with these digest matches is they're all from the floor cam. So this isn't like the Dragon Gate Network single cam where it's the hard cam that they shift and they will pan to and they'll zoom in here this is someone on the floor with a camera and it was rude this match was i was like i love having this floor cam for these kind of house show matches because i felt like that it brought out something in this match that honestly of everything dragon gate we watched this week this was my favorite match i vastly prefer the floor cam to the hard cam i wish they would shoot all of their network shows like that i think kyoto and kobe would come across better on the floor cam yeah, it, the thing that really stuck out to me, Case, was UT selling, and they had the camera right in his face, and he was selling. And then after he won, the camera was right in his face, and he valiantly threw up three and pumped his arm. And I was like, yeah, UT, you got it. You got it with Akari Noa. And it just adds an element that sometimes the network shows are a little bit sterile because of the floor, because of the hard game. Yeah, and, you know, it just so happened that this match was awesome. A three-and-three-quarter star match for me, which on a house show is all you can ask for. And it's crazy to me, and this will come across like a dig at Kai, even though I don't intend for it to, just how good 
SB Kento, Hyo, and Shun Skywalker were in this match. I mean, Hyo and SB Kento, as an act, just have this crowd control that sucks me in. I mean, they are so good. And Shun Skywalker, in his current role, is so vicious. And I think Shun maybe steals Kai's thunder a little bit, where Kai is supposed to be the brute. He's supposed to be this big, imposing force. And Shun works twice as fast as him and hits twice as, twice as hard as him. And so you're in a match like this where, you know, again, I think Kai's done a serviceable job as Dreamgate champion, but you watch him with this specific combination and you go, well, okay, SB Kento is more charismatic than him. Hyo has a stronger character than him. Shun is kind of taking his in-ring style and making it better. Oh, wait, what's what's Kai doing here? And it's not that Kai has been bad. It's just how good the guys are around him. Yeah, and this gets into the argument about who is the Zebrats leader, you know? Yeah, I, I, it's, it's, it doesn't feel like Kai, even when Kai's there. Right, like, it feels more so that it's Shun, to be honest, and it's Hyo and S- SB doing the character work behind him. You know, it feels like if we're going to go classic Mad Blanky, it feels like that he that Shun is the Amato, and you have SB, Kento, and Hyo both being Naruki Doi at the same time. Yeah, that's 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 a very good way of putting it. And then you have this Natural Vibes team, and you know I've raved about them. I mean, think about where we were at with Natural Vibes last year, Mike. We, Kamei was hurt, UT was just coming back, Shimizu wasn't in the picture, so we were KZ, Genki, and Susumu again. And uh, I think we both hated it. I mean, where were you at with Natural Vibes a year ago? I just was. I, I was always dreading the idea that Punch might show back up, to be frank. <laughs> That's very like, fair. Because the first version of Natural Vibes was really was that trio. It was those three, and then whenever Punch and Yashi were around. So it was like there was like, okay, we're picking up from them, but we're not picking up on a unit that was in a very healthy place. The fact that they added Shimizu, UT, and Kamei really have now made this group like six members that they're in the hunt for Jason, but I'm like, they don't need Jason. And that's saying Jason Lee, one of the best wrestlers in the world, wouldn't be an added person. Of course he would be, but like they're fine as is because you throw up that, this combination there and it gives extra life to an act that, you know, last year we're like, why are you revisiting this? The, like we went through natural vibes that we endured it. We're done now. Now it's might be my favorite unit in the promotion. And yeah, it helps out that UT's in there and that draws my interest, but they've, they got something there with these six guys and we got the added benefit of Kness joining in for the end of a party anthem, which is fun. Yeah. I, I can't believe the second incarnation of this unit has been as entertaining as they have been because it's not like, it's not like it's world one international 2.0 or even maximum 2.0 or blood generation 2.0. It was natural vibes, which served a purpose in giving Casey his first unit. They have that illustrious triangle gate run, but I don't feel like anybody was clamoring for a second natural vibes. I think it maybe would have been a fun thing on a reunion show 10 years down the road, but I didn't need more contemporary natural vibes. And for them to flip the script the way they have with KZ once again upping his game with Susumu being Susumu, and then the introduction of Kamei, UT, and Shimizu. They are, they are my favorite unit in the company, and I love every unit in this company right now, with the exception of High End, with all due respect. But no, Natural Vibes is consistently, to me, the most entertaining one there is. And 
what I loved about this match was it really felt like a natural vibes match. It felt like a band playing their festival set. This was, you know, the greatest hits in a condensed manner that was really satisfying. And by the end of it, you just want to high five your friends and say, you know what? That was really cool. I'm glad we did that. This match had that sort of lighthearted traveling touring match with a great finish and a satisfying ending. And it was all based on the tone of natural vibes. Yeah, and it's something that, I mean, it, it's all natural vibes, but as we were talking about earlier, Zebrats being where it is really adds a lot to it as well because they can they don't lose heat by getting into the shenanigans. You know, like the Reindeer games, because SBK and Hyo force Susumu to do a prolonged dance number. Like, like you have like that happening just as well. And, you know, Natural Vibes is the best unit in the company, but Zebrats, like... It, it just works at this point. Like both of these units just work. So yeah, you pick four guys out of both times. You'd say, go out there and have a 15 minute main event. And it's going to be a three and three quarter stars match at least. That's a lot of this promotion right now. And that's what I'm so excited about is there's not a, to me, maybe I'm wrong. And I would love for somebody to push back on this if they disagree. But I feel like there's been times over, you know, the time, the times we've been covering this promotion since 2015 ish where, we think, oh, this is great, but you have to know this, this, and this, and then it'll really connect on this level. Right now, the th- great thing about Dragon is you can turn on a show and you understand everything. Like, there's not, because everything is so new and so fresh, not only with the units, but with the guys on the roster, there's not a lot of lore hanging over the heads of everybody. It's pretty on the surface great. And that's what confuses me about more people not diving into this. And I guess they just don't care, which is fine. I, you know, I, it's not my cross to bear, but. To me right now, this is just such an easily accessible and consistently entertaining wrestling company. I don't know why you wouldn't want that. Yeah, and they're starting to do the smart things towards international fans. You know, putting up all these free matches when your service is as onerous as the Dragon Gate Network. That's like the least you can do. And if if you're someone who does a little bit of searching and you know how to find the Gower website too, you get even more there. Like it's it's a very good time for Dragon Gate right now. Not just entering, but just how they're presenting themselves. And, and it's and don't forget on these digest matches. If you're not subscribed to the YouTube channel, subscribe to the YouTube channel, like the videos if you can. At the very least, if we could keep these digest matches going on YouTube through King of Gate, where we would assume that they would upload King of Gate matches as well, that would be a giant win for everybody. Yeah, we got to make it through June, folks. We got to give them reasons to keep it up through June. But I think that now it's time to... uh leave dragon gate and talk about some dragon system guys having a first time ever match in new japan as it was on the 20th so the same day as the nagoya homecoming show for sbk it was the new japan cup quarterfinal match shima versus kazuchiko okada the ace of the original generation of torimon into dragon gate versus ultimo's last great student I am going to let you have this one, Mike, because you've been in a mood about this match all day long, and I kind of know what it is, but I kind of don't, and I am just going to let you have the floor for a minute. Okay, so this match is very good. I, I, I've seen some people like throw four and higher on that, and I think that I I think that what they are wanting out of this match is not what got put in there. 
I think that they went in there very much to have this was Shima's payday match, I would say. <laughs> like like for all it is, is Shima's gonna put forth his best effort in this match against Okada. And the match format makes sense. It basically plays like a 2012 Shima match. Like Okada is kind of doing Shima's match here, but it's not 2012 anymore. It's 2022. He's not washed. He's not like a husk of who he is, but there's certain things that what that Shima does at 44 that doesn't work anymore. And it just kind of made me a little sad watching this because it was a very good match. I went three and a half stars on it. It's very good. But you, you have like this moment and it is a moment. The fact that Shima, you know, is in the ring of Kazuchika Okada is like one of those things that this there's, it's the first time ever. It's the first time that these two guys, and only because of what happened in 2018, that this match even happens. And they have a very good match. Shima does some insane meteoras. Shima looks like he takes several months off his entering career. And Okada wins with a Rainmaker. Like, it's it's a pretty simple match if you know these two guys. It's just a match that I wish they would have 10 years earlier. I think that's where I come down on this case. I think that's very fair. That's actually, you're, you're far more positive on this match than I thought you were going to be. I thought we were going to zig and zag here, but we're, we're loosely on the same path. Now, I am still a much bigger fan of Shima's in-ring at this stage of his career than you are. I, I still think he's very good. Was he a noticeable step slower here than I would have liked for him to be? Yes, absolutely. Because this is really, you know, this was a big step up for him. He had a great singles match last year against Masato Tanaka, but that was... 0-1 in Cork and Hall, and this was a pretty big New Japan Cup match. So it's it's shown that he's lost a step. He's not the guy that he once was. He's never been the greatest singles match wrestler ever. I still like the match for historical purposes. I'm very, very glad it happened. And we got to see Shima hit a meteor off of the apron, which I thought was nuts. Yeah, I, I, I guess, like, my frustration Look, like I can take the match for it is my, my frustration in this, and I should put all my cards on the table here, Case. You do a better job of keeping up with the Strong Hearts guys now than I have since they left AEW and since OE, OWE went kaput. So this, for me, this was like my first major Shima's match, singles match I've seen since him versus Kenny Omega at Fight for the Fall in 2019. So for me, like, he was turn back the clock in 2019 he did not turn back the clock here and historically you're absolutely right about this i guess like my thing that gets me about this and makes me so frustrated is shima's injuries are well documented it's not like a it, it's something that if you even have like a cursory look at him pull up his wikipedia page you'll see broken neck you'll see bad knees you'll see this and that doesn't adapt does not go like all right i should change my style just a little bit a little bit because remember he started doing that spartan cut so he wouldn't damage his knees which yeah going from the mad splash which you stop doing because it hurts your knees to the shvine which is a lot of weight on on your knees to a meteora that that's some real brain genius stuff there for trying to save your knees but i i i like that's the thing like the match itself was very good i'm just frustrated about it immensely case did you know the result before you watched it I might have, but I don't think that really changes anything. I, I didn't assume that. Uh, I know that some people were like, oh, yeah, Okada's got to lose, so you bring Shima loses and he gets a title shot. I 
did not see that happening. Like this is a mercenary job. This isn't like him coming in and doing a favor. He he's in there to get the bag. Well, of course, I'm on the side of even if you pin a champion in New Japan, that doesn't mean you get a title shot. I know that broke people's brains a few years ago when Ishii pinned Okada, and then for some reason for the next six months, they were hung up on the fact that he didn't get a title match. There's no written rule that says once you pin the champion, you get a title match. I thought Shima might win, and then that would just be the end of it. I didn't expect an IWGP match to come of it, but I did watch this unspoiled, and until the finish, I did think Shima was winning. Okay. No, no, I, I, there was enough things to buy into it. I mean, he did a Tokarev, which, again, 44 years old, bad knees. was actually a pretty good-looking Tokarev, to be honest. That springboard Van Daminator there. Like, they did enough things put in doubt there. I, I guess, and maybe this is just me being completely hands-off, six feet away from New Japan. I just went, assumed Okada was going to win regardless there. So, I never bought in. That's fine. Some of us believe, some of us don't. Like I said, I, I think the big takeaway from this is just for historical purposes, I'm very, very glad this match happened. I still really enjoy Shima as a wrestler. I think Okada is obviously great, and I, I don't need to go on my Okada rant about people that faded him for years. They look like morons. But uh, yeah, this was a very good match. I went three and three quarters on it. I really liked it. If you haven't seen it, it's quick. It's fun. It's easy. You should watch it. I did have one question out of this match for you. I, I don't know if I can answer it, but go ahead. So, I find that Shima is one of the hardest people to quantify in pro wrestling. And maybe this is not necessarily about uh, this match, but instead it's about his sojourn in New Japan. I think, and, and I'll need to, in a couple of years, reassess things and watch things thoroughly. I don't think this match was negatively affected my stance on him historically, but it's something that... I would hope that for like his biggest profile match in about a decade, well, about three years, he faced Kenny Omega, what am I saying? Uh, I just came away so dissatisfying, and this might potentially, in historical context, hurt Shima in a way. Uh, I will tell you the same thing that I told Larry Dallas once that ruined his day. We don't rate Patrick Ewing's career on the time he spent with the Orlando Magic or the Seattle Supersonics. We rank Patrick Ewing's career based off of what he did with the New York Knicks. And Shima's the same story. He was one of the greatest wrestlers ever when he left Dragon Gate in 2018. I thought after he left the last six months of 2018, I thought he was so good. I voted him Flair Thez that year. I thought he was very good in 2019, very good in 2021, and has been okay in 2022. This does nothing in my opinion, to affect his overall legacy. He's done enough and has been, you know, even as recently as some of the multi-man matches in Cleet that I've seen him in or the Tanaka match last year, where you're reminded when this guy's in his element and a New Japan main event is not his element, but when he's in his zone, oh, that's right. He's one of the best to ever do it. Like he's a pro wrestling genius. And this match didn't really give him a chance to showcase that. You're right in the sense that it was more of a Shima match, but it wasn't Shima in his bag. It was a Shima style of match in a Shima style of singles match, which is not his strong suit. But we've seen him in other scenarios, even over the last year or two, year or two or three, where it's like, oh, yeah, no, this guy rocks. Even if he's taken a step uh, back in terms of his physicality, his mind is still incredibly sharp. Yeah, I guess I would hope that his mind would have been cognizant of what was going on here. <laughs> uh, 
is it hard for me to dislike a match that went three and a half stars on case? So I think that's that's I, where I think you're this at. Is a me issue. Yeah, that's where. But I'm is at. it now? And I don't, I I don't necessarily care if this is your hangup, but is it a is it a personal hangup with Shima? It just the the sight of 2022 Shima is so unappealing to you that you couldn't enjoy him in this setting. Oh, I I art and artist. I can handle Shima it being Shima. Uh, but for me, it's just because, yeah, he he has one of the like the foremost minds, especially when you consider evaluating talent in wrestling. But I don't feel like he can evaluate himself and realize that he shouldn't have had a match like that. Yeah, maybe. I don't think he embarrassed himself. I thought this was a perfectly I mean, I, I thought it was a very good match. Not even perfectly fine. I thought it was a very, very good match. Um, if it happened five years ago, it would have been even better. But. I think you could say the same thing about most Okada big matches at this point, too. But this wasn't like an Okada big match. This was a Shima Dreamgate match, though. Yeah, it's, yeah. That's, Shima was having a 2012 match with a 2022 body. And you're right, he didn't adapt to the situation the way that I think he should. But this is also, you know, not the element in which he thrives. When we talk about Shima's career, we're not talking about the Shima Dreamgate matches for the most part. Or maybe some people would mention the Kness match or the Susumu match or the Shingo match at World, but it's never what we go to when we talk about Shima. This was this was him. You're right. This was him not being where his mind normally is, whereas I just watched him have a, a multi-man match in Glee, that hair versus hair match, where it was dripping with Shima. I mean, the, the layout, it was so much like a 2007 Dragon Gate Typhoon era match that it's very clear, given who's involved, who laid out this match. And it was awesome. It was a, a thoroughly compelling match from start to finish. This is just one where on the surface, they had a very good match. But if you dig a little deeper, I can see where your disappointment comes into play. Yeah. And, and I guess like the other edge of this disappointment is the fact that with Dragon Gate where it is, with Dragon Gate accessibility, getting better, but still where it is, this will be a match that sticks with a lot of people's minds. You know? But, that, but that's that's their problem. I mean, those, you know, it's fair. the same people that don't know that Dragon Gate is one word, not two now, that still use the old logo, the people that are too lazy to ask us what's happening, which, by the way, with all due respect to Kevin Kelly, his notes were bad. I don't know who did his notes. I, I probably know the person that did them, and I like them, but he had incorrect information when he was talking about Shima. It's it's the wrestling's media fault at this point. We've, we've made it very clear. This is our corner of the market, and if you're still associating Shima with Dragon Gate three years, almost four years, we're coming up with the fourth year anniversary of him leaving, that's on you. That's lazy. That's lazy pro wrestling coverage, which is an epidemic in this industry. Yeah, no, you're right about that. You're right about that. I just, you know, I just see this. I'm like, oh, this is going to be the thing that leaves the taste in people's minds and not like the Gleet hair versus hair match that you talked about. You know, like that, that that's that that's kind of thing. And I guess this is me talking out my feelings about this match. No, about- this, is a, this, this, this is a very good therapy session. It comes across like it, that's not a dig at all. It, it you're, no. you're working through something right now. <laughs> Two people who are very experienced with therapy right now having oh, a conversation yes. about this. Yes, sir. Uh, a lot of using I feels and I believes here. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I get it. But I, you know, I, I, I was. Do I want to? Do I want to venture to this territory? No, I do not. I, I don't think. I. This is not the not the topic to blow this this idea on. Uh, but if if Shima versus Okada makes you think differently about Dragon Gate in a negative light, then I do think you're a moron. I mean, that's just as simple as it is. Yeah. No. No, that's true. 
That's true. Well, I think those were my thoughts on that match. So, like, that's the wild thing. Like, this is a match that's, that you could tell is stuck in my crawl. And like, since I watched this today, like, I usually keep a lot of my thoughts about stuff kind of inward until I I talk about them, especially Dragon Gate related stuff with you. I just like ever since then I've been trying to figure it out. So I'm glad we talked about. It. Yeah. No, I, Mike. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you shared your feelings. They're very valid. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I, <laughs> I think that's it for this week. Uh, again, next week, we'll be back with an episode with Dragon Gate J talking two and a half hours about the uh, career of Kness. A lot of stuff about Kness that I didn't know until we talked with Jay. And then just, and I would say about an hour and a half case of us just kind of freewheeling, like talking about Dream Mania Six Mans. Who's the man of the summer? How do we see certain things going down? And it just was an absolute blast. So I hope on Tuesday, everyone check it out. And hopefully you don't get tired of us plugging this the show. It's, it, it, I, I really adored that show. And I'm glad that it will be coming out next week. But do you have anything else you want to hit on before we get out of here? No, Mike. Where can people find us on the internet? You can follow us on Twitter at OpenVoiceGate. Cases at underscore in your case. I'm at Fujiheya. Thanks for listening to Open Voice Gate. We'll be back with you next time talking about the career of Kness with Dragon Gate J. Take care. <laughs>